What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogelmeyer, and one of the original members of the Locked On Chargers crew, John Kegley, on the show with us today to get into a lot. But first, we are three writers who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination. I also write for the LA Football Network, and we've been covering the Chargers now for over five seasons, doing our own Facebook live show, Chargers Domination Live, which airs weekly during the season. And this is our third season now as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. All right, guys. Well, we have a lot to get into today because we weren't here yesterday. So that just means we have that much more to talk about today. And do we have a lot to talk about? So we're going to start the show with the Chargers getting a meeting in in the COVID-19 times with one of the prospects in the NFL draft, one of the top offensive tackles. So that's definitely news. Then we'll also talk about Tyrod Taylor's cryptic Instagram post that was quickly taken down. And then I also want to talk about just the fact that this Chargers offseason has been a little bit weird since Phillip Rivers left and Melvin Gordon is gone now. So I want to just talk about the fact that the Chargers really were going to have to rebuild to some extent, but they've really reloaded. So in the second segment, we're going to be talking about if the Chargers are rebuilding or reloading before ending the show, getting into some voicemails about Tyrod Taylor possibly taking this team to the Super Bowl and the team embracing him, and also about Melvin Gordon bizarrely having a vengeance against the Chargers, even though they offered him more money. So a lot to get into, but let's go ahead and get into it. Meetings with NFL prospects have been held up by the COVID-19 virus, but the Chargers still found a way to have a meeting with one of the top offensive tackle prospects, and after all the talk around Cam Newton, he was seen in an Instagram post practicing with one of the the Chargers quarterbacks. This is Daniel Wade joined by David Drogmeyer with your Locked On Chargers lead story. Senior SB Nation draft analyst Justin Mello reported on Thursday that Iowa offensive tackle Tristan Wirfs worked out privately for the Jets prior to the COVID-19 outbreak, but since then he has FaceTimed with the Chargers, Dolphins, and Texans. So this is a bizarre time in our country and dealing with unprecedented times of not being able to have meetings with a lot of these NFL draft prospects that they didn't get to meet with at the Combine or at the East-West Shrine Bowl or the Senior Bowl. But David, these are the new times and the Chargers found a way to FaceTime with one of the top prospects in the draft, Tristan Wirfs, who played offensive tackle for Iowa and is widely considered to be a potential top 10 pick. So in some ways, this could be saying that the Chargers aren't sold on taking a quarterback in six and are really evaluating all of the options, including offensive tackle, or it really could mean nothing at all. It could be a smokescreen. It could be that they want to just get a couple last questions in before they feel good about grabbing him at six, or it could mean absolutely nothing. But it is encouraging that the Chargers are setting up meetings with one of the absolutely most talented offensive tackles in this year's draft. Tristan Wirfs, six foot five, three hundred and twenty pounds, thirty four inch arms, a four eight five forty, which is ridiculous. A thirty six and a half vert. This guy has all the athletic ability and measurables that you could possibly want. He is a mauler in the run game. He is a very, very high-quality technician. He is a 2019 second-team All-American and a the Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year of 2019. He played 10 games at right tackle, three at left tackle. He's versatile. He's an incredible player. He's going to go very high, and he's going to be a great player in the NFL for a long time. 
And I think one of the only questions people have about him is, can he play left tackle in the league? But I think he showed at the combine that he is athletically gifted enough to play the position. Can he be coached to do it more consistently on the left side in the NFL? That has yet to be determined. But the Chargers found their right tackle. So if they're going to take him, you would think it would be to be the left tackle of the future. But it could signal the fact that they are potentially willing to take him or one of the other top offensive tackles in the draft, like a Jedrick Wills or even a Mekhi Becton. But we'll have to wait and see. And in other news, something cryptic that happened on Thursday was Tyrod Taylor posted a picture of him and former Panthers quarterback Cam Newton, who has been recently rumored to be linked with the Chargers, seemingly on a practice field getting ready to throw with each other. The post was quickly taken down, I think, after the reaction of many people taking that as the Chargers are going to sign Cam Newton. But this is just one of the few signs that we've seen over the past few weeks that has linked Cam Newton to the Chargers. Obviously, the team tried to trade Newton to the Chargers, but Tom Telesco wasn't biting. And then his clothing brand posted a picture on Instagram that said he was headed west with a lightning bolt emoji, which would also seem to signal the Chargers. But David, it seems like no matter how much the Chargers distance themselves from being interested in Cam Newton, these coincidences just keep on happening. They do keep on happening, and it definitely begs the question, why? Why, why did these coincidences keep on? It, it's hard to believe that all of these subsequent things that, that are happening don't mean something. You know, no matter the optics of what they're making it look like as far as distancing themselves from Cam Newton, it's got to mean something. There's too much there for it not to mean something. Cam Newton seems to be extremely hungry. He post, he's posting videos that's getting a lot of very interesting reactions, uh, saying that they gave up on me, and he's looking absolutely shredded. He's in incredible shape. The big question with Cam Newton, is he going to be the 2015 NFL MVP version, or is he going to be the hurt Cam Newton that we've seen in recent memory? Yeah, he looks absolutely fired up. He looks like who you would want to be your starting quarterback, and he looks like he's as hungry as ever. But unfortunately for the Chargers, that is a pretty big risk to make, especially if you plan on drafting a quarterback in this year's draft class and having that be the future of your franchise. And financially, we talked about the fact that it really doesn't make sense. But if they really wanted to do it, and if he was willing to take enough of a pay cut, it could happen. So maybe where there's smoke, there's fire. But there's still nothing, even after this post, that leads us to believe that Cam Newton will be starting for the Chargers in 2020. But we do have two more segments to get into. We're going to be talking about if Tom Telesco is rebuilding or reloading and finish the show up with some fan voicemails as we do every week. So one of the things that I was thinking about when trying to figure out what we were going to talk about is just the fact that Tom Telesco going into this offseason and obviously splitting with Philip Rivers, who had been on the team for the last 16 seasons, it was really unclear what direction this team was going to go. But so far, they have acted as if they want to win now. The signings that they have, they've been signing some older veterans, Brian Bulaga, Limbaugh Joseph. Chris Harris, all of those guys are over 30. So seemingly it looks like the Chargers want to win now, but obviously they're still with Tyrod Taylor at this point. So I think Tom Telesco has done a really good job so far this offseason. But John, if you had to categorize what this offseason has been for Tom Telesco, would you call what the franchise is doing right now as a rebuild or a reload? I'd say it's somewhere in between. I think they're trying to win now with what they have, but at the same time, it, you can also see that they're trying to also build the team up for whoever the next QB is, because they haven't tried to, to extend Tyrod Taylor. They're keeping him on his one-year deal right now. 
which can lead to maybe they're going to get rid of him after this season. And then whoever the future QB is, whether it's a young free agent or they draft a guy this year, that's your future or a decent stick, whatever the situation is, the next guy up is going to take on this whole team that you have, plus whatever comes the next offseason. They haven't gone for every single big name they can. They don't go for extremely older veterans just to fill a need. Like left tackle could have been Andrew Whitworth, but even though he went with the Rams, they never went for him. And I think they're going to leave that. I mean, they could still, you know, if they sign Jason Peters, I think obviously it changes a little bit. That could probably change a little bit because then that turns into it looks like win now. But they haven't really done much with that. And I'm thinking they're going to use the draft and they're going to make the offensive line younger because even Trey Turner's only been in the league for a few years. So that's still a 26 years old. That's a young player. Yeah, that's a younger player. He's not 22, he's not brand new, but he's still in the league for only four years. So that's still a younger guy that you can transition with. So I want to say it's in between, really, of what it is. But I would say they're trying to still win now with what they have, even if it just means making the playoffs as a wild card and giving themselves a chance at winning. I think that's about as far as it's going to go. But they're definitely not full-on reload or full-on rebuild. Yeah, and I think obviously there is some nuance and it is a little bit of both because I think you have seen things that show you that the Chargers are, you know, trying to win over the next few years at least. But obviously, if you get a rookie quarterback and if you play him right away, that's not always the way that you find success in the NFL. Yes, you can win with those contracts, but it isn't often happening in that quarterback's rookie year. And you have to think about when we're talking about rebuilding and reloading, the fact that guys like Joey Bosa, Desmond King, Keenan Allen, Melvin Ingram, all of those guys are free agents after next season. So if you want to keep all of those guys around, which spoiler alert, you're not going to be able to keep all those guys around. This is the last run that you have with that core right there with those veteran pro bowl players. So if the chargers really want to, you know, get the most out of having all of that talent on their team. It has to come this season. So David, when you look at what everything that Tom Telesco has done so far this off season, do you see it as more of a rebuild or do you see it more as reloading? I think it's a, as much of a reload as it possibly can be when you dismiss the quarterback that has been at the helm for 15 plus years. Uh, the, I mean, you, you go out and grab a, a great right tackle. You go trade, your your disgruntled left tackle for a young, controllable, really successful right guard in Trey Turner. You go get Linval Joseph, who fills an obvious need on the defensive line. Someone, something that the Chargers have really neglected to address in previous years. So for me, and you also you go grab a, a phenomenal corner, a feisty veteran in Chris Harris Jr. to add to an already very talented defense. So for me, I think that you're definitely doing as much of a reload as possible with the biggest position on their team a little bit uncertain. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that you really think about when you're talking about rebuilding or reloading and if the Chargers are trying to really win now is just the fact that Tom Brady was the target for Tom Telesco and this team. And obviously, there's maybe more that goes into it, John. But at some point, if Tom Telesco and the Chargers were trying to go for Tom Brady, that would signal to most people that they're trying to win right now this season. From the outside, it would probably look like that. But as Charger fans, we all know that Tom Brady wouldn't fit our system. And it's probably a way to sell jerseys and fill seats for the new stadium. So... 
from a Charger fan side, it looks more like just desperation for money. But on the outside, yeah, it definitely looks like the Chargers were trying to win by going after Brady. But if you really think about it, you would have used up almost all your cap space. And then how are you going to win if you have no offensive line? Melvin Gordon's going to be gone. And all you have is Austin Eckler with Justin Jackson, who is injury prone. Two wide receivers and one tight end who's also injury prone. How would you make that work? That's not a win now team in my mind. I don't see the Tom Brady move as win now. It's just more of we wanted to fill the seats in the stadium. And now that we don't have that, now we're going to try to win because winning will get tickets sold. And I think one of the things that also kind of furthers this argument a little bit is just the fact that the Chargers decided to release very well-liked veterans like Thomas Davis and Brandon Meebane. Because, David, one of the things that we've seen in the past is just the fact that Tom Telesco has kept veterans maybe a couple of years too long. So maybe he's just getting better, getting more of that Bill Belichick mindset of, you know, getting rid of someone a year early rather than a year too late. But if you were really trying to rebuild, you would maybe consider keeping some of those guys around just for that veteran mentorship that they could bring to some of those younger guys. But by cutting them, I think what they're doing, at least to some extent, is cutting that premium that they've been putting on leadership or maybe just looking in-house and saying we have all of the leaders that we need here and getting rid of the guys that weren't necessarily performing and were providing more veteran leadership than they were actual production on the field so in some ways I see those moves as less of a rebuild because you're not keeping these guys around just so they can teach your young players you're just trying to find the best guys that can go out there and produce for your team right now I mean it's no surprise that Anthony Lynn has his favorites. I mean, he loves Rayshon Jenkins. He's made comments about many other players. And it seems like in his coaching style that a lot of his veteran players were on the field. It's almost like it almost seems like Tom Telesco was like, all right, Anthony, I let you go with your veterans. Now it's time for me to make the moves. I'm going to go ahead and cut cut the fat on these guys that are not performing up to par, and I'm going to bring in guys that I think are going to perform better. And I mean, obviously that's complete conjecture on my part, but that's kind of what it feels like to me. It does seem like that a little bit, and I can see you know both sides of the argument there. But really what this is all about is just the fact that I think that Tom Telesco – has done a pretty good job navigating these waters because I think as we look at it right now, John, even just with the moves that they've made, this team can still compete for a playoff spot. So if you lose your you know forever franchise quarterback in Phillip Rivers and you lose a running back that was taken in the first round, even though you know none of us wanted him back, that Tom Telesco still has this team right now in a position where they're not expected to take a step back in 2019. They're expected to take a step forward, even with Tyrod Taylor, just with the moves they've made right now. Because with Phillip Rivers or not, and obviously there's an obvious deficit at quarterback, but just with the moves they've made so far, this is already looking before the draft like a more complete roster than it was last year with less of the fat hanging around. And Tom Telesco has gotten this team where I expect them to at least as it stands now, to compete for a playoff spot. And I do think he deserves some credit for that. Yeah, he does. And just like you said, this does look like a more complete roster compared to what we've had in the past. I mean, even the offensive line's getting attention. How long has it been since we've seen good... Can you believe it? <laughs> good offensive linemen being signed, not just picking a guy that was there for money, like Orlando Franklin. Actually, good-looking free agents being brought in or being traded for 
it's looking a lot like Tom Telesco might know what he's doing finally. And with the team you have, if you use it right, you can make these the playoffs. But it, it really depends on how you're going to use this team. Are you going to let Tyrod be your franchise type of QB? Or are you going to say, here, throw the ball 40 times a game, win us the game? Or are you going to say, let's put the game in our defense's hands and have Tyrod manage the game let's run the ball run down the clock keep the other team's offense off the field Tyrod just makes the throw when he needs to to convert a third down keep the drive alive and the defense will make the plays get the turnovers to put the offense in position to win that way if anything happens in the game it's not Tyrod's fault and then you can't be sitting there going well what are we going to do without a QB well you don't need one if you have your defensive playing it's all about the system and how you use your guys. That's that's basically how you can win in the playoffs this year. Could you win Super Bowl this year like that? Probably not, because I highly doubt we're going to be able to get Tyrod to throw the ball 30 times after we're down 14 nothing to start the game early, because some of these guys are still kind of young and not really full of playoff experience. Yeah, and I think I mean we'll get much more into Tyrod Taylor in the next segment, because we have a couple of voicemails about it, but... I just think that for this team, I mean, this is the reality of the situation. I mean, how many teams do you see out there right now trading younger players when the team is not expected to win who are on the last years of their contract? I mean, the Chargers have some pretty valuable trade assets. If Tom Telesco wanted to hit the reset button on this franchise and really wanted to hit the reset button on this team, what do you think he could have gotten for Joey Bosa? What do you think he could have gotten for Keenan Allen or even one year of Melvin Ingram? I mean, they could have absolutely replenished the draw they could have absolutely loaded up in draft capital and really tried to rebuild this thing but credit to Tom Telesco credit to him for you know trying to put a winning product on the field it seems like he is committed to trying to win this season which I think has to be a positive thing if you're a Chargers fan and you you don't want to see a rebuilding year you want to see a team compete no matter who's starting at quarterback for them but we do have one more segment to get into talking about even more of this stuff coming up right after this when we get into our fan voicemails all right guys well like we do every single Friday we're going to get into some fan voicemails if you haven't heard already if you want to call into the show we have a voicemail line and the number is 323 Five two four seven nine two four, and every Chargers voicemail gets played on the show. We're still a little behind because you guys have been so good about calling in, but we are catching up slowly but surely, and we have another three pretty good voicemails for you guys on here today, starting with one of my favorites. This is Craig, who's calling in for the first time in a while. Let's see what Craig has for us this week. Hey, fellas, it's Craig from Texas. Uh, giving a call in because I was actually initially wanting to just kind of rant a little bit about all the free agency signings and, like, how Tom Telesco must have been body snatching this is someone else making these decisions. But uh, as I'm dialing in, I see that Melvin Gordon has decided to sign with the Broncos, and now I'm a little annoyed. Um, apparently, I believe it was uh, Adam Schefter, may have been uh, may have been Jason Lockenfora, who's reporting that he had offers from other teams wanting to pay him more money, but – the prospect of paying, playing the Chargers twice a year was more appealing to him. So I'm a little lost here. I thought the entire reason he held out was because he wanted more money. So what sense does it make to have a vendetta against a team who wanted to pay you fair market value, you declined, hit the market, only to find out you couldn't get that money anywhere else and to decline the most you could get to go play for a team only despite the one that you're leaving? 
completely baffled by this. It makes absolutely no sense. Um, I could go on about it for hours. I won't. I'll hang up now and listen to what you guys have to say. I appreciate it as always. Uh, maybe next week I can call in and talk a little bit about the positive stuff. But until then, uh, both up. Well, Craig, I mean, I, us like you, we're definitely happy with some of the additions that were made in free agency, but I absolutely share your confusion when talking about Melvin Gordon. I think we maybe talked about this in a news segment, which those have to be kept, you know, about five minutes. So maybe we didn't get to elaborate it on as much of this as I wanted to, but I'm glad I'm here to get John Kegley's opinion on it because it is absolutely ridiculous that Melvin Gordon, you know, would maybe even fabricate the fact that he had another offer just to get to say that he wants to go against the Chargers twice a year and that was an incentive for him to take less money when his entire holdout to begin with was because the Chargers weren't offering enough money. Oh, and also on top of that, you still got offered more than you ended up making with the Denver Broncos. And I'm guessing it's on a shorter term deal because I know that last year, if he was taking that contract, there's no way it was a two year deal. So he had a bad season. He paid for it this year, but John, the malice supposedly from Melvin Gordon towards the chargers just really hasn't ever made sense to me. When I saw that, I was legitimately kind of surprised because Melvin Gordon has been a big advocate of the chargers all off season long until he signed with the Broncos. And now supposedly he has a grudge against the chargers. It's kind of like as if he was trying to suck up to the Chargers to get them to give him a contract. Like, hey, look, Go back I've to changed. 10 million. <laughs> yeah, look, I've changed. I'm a better person. Let me have it. I don't want to have to move and change scenery and everything. But the Chargers obviously just weren't having it. And then going to Denver, here's here's what really bothers me. All all last year, he kept saying, I love my teammates. I want to be out there with my teammates. I miss my teammates. I, I let them know. I love my teammates. And now it's, oh, I, I want revenge against the Chargers. I want to be able to play it against them twice a year so I can beat them. Like, really? Is that what it is? If it was about your teammates, you would have not gone to the rival so that they can hit you constantly and create a grudge against them. And then on top of that, you are going to be playing on a team that already has a premier running back. So now you're probably going to be in that guy's shadow. So you're just slowly getting yourself off the map. You were the you were the guy for the Chargers. And then Austin Eckler comes in and takes your reps while you're in a holdout. And now you start to become like, okay, maybe you're half the guy. And now you go to the Broncos and you're the second guy. You're the other option when when Lindsay needs a rest. You're just slowly getting yourself off the map and you're going to ruin your whole career. I, I think he, he needs to fire whoever his agent, whatever the camp is that he has, because he's being led the wrong way. Well, another thing about it is that the, some Denver reporter came out and said that he has heard that the Bills were the team to offer him more money just to have Adam Schefter come back and absolutely shove it in the guy's face and say, I can tell you that this is not true. So I mean, we're not even really sure if there was a competing team for his services, whether he had a choice or not to go up against the Chargers twice a season. I mean, that might not even have been an option for Melvin Gordon, but to think that he is mad at the team for, you know, I guess signing Austin Eckler instead of him. I mean, I guess that's the only thing I can think of that he could actually be mad about. And at the end of the day, the Chargers got a much better deal than the Broncos did. I mean, more years, just about the same amount of guaranteed money. Give me Austin Eckler every single day of the week. But I, I just don't get it from Melvin Gordon's size. I mean, really, 
you know, having this beef kind of out of nowhere. It didn't really make any sense to me either, Craig. But we do have another voicemail to get into. This is a first-time caller. This time we got Keon in Phoenix. Let's hear what he has to say. Hey, guys. It's Keon from Phoenix, a uh, newer listener here. Uh, I was actually just wondering, what do you guys think about the Chargers stating that they're going to move forward with Tyrod Taylor? Um, do you guys think that we can win a Lombardi trophy with uh, Taylor at center, or uh, do you think that we have to get a quarterback through the draft and hope that it works out that way? I know that we're not going with uh, – seems like we're not going with Newton or uh, obviously Brady just got signed by the book. So just to, let me hear what do you guys think? Can we do it with Tyrod Taylor or not? All right, so this is something that we've kind of talked about a little bit. But, David, I'm just going to kind of put the question to you like this. I'm, I'm just going to say, is there any way that the Chargers go into this season and win the Super Bowl with Tyrod Taylor as their quarterback? I say no. I think it's going to be really hard for Tyrod Taylor to take pretty much any team to the Super Bowl. Just from what we've seen out of him, he's had a couple of decent years, but the system would have to be perfect. Uh, well, Anthony Lynn tends to run the type of system that Tyrod Taylor has flourished in. He was his offensive coordinator in Buffalo, so they have some familiarity there. But as you and I were talking before we actually started recording, the defense would have to be absolutely amazing. They would have to be locked down. They'd have to get the ball back for the offense, create short fields, really really make it e- make things easier for Tyrod Taylor where he can manage the game not lose it not really going to go win it but I just don't know if the Chargers have the pieces to make that happen right now so to answer the question no I don't believe the Chargers can get to the Super Bowl with Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback and I mean my stance on it has always kind of been you know look at Trent Dilfer look at that Peyton Manning season look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers I mean none of those teams really ever had quarterbacks I mean that were really worth anything and I think Tyrod Taylor's better than all of those guys but you would just have to have a lot of things fall the right way for Tyrod Taylor and the Chargers to make it to the Super Bowl with him at quarterback and I just think with the Chargers past history of luck luck is something that you never associate with the Chargers franchise and I think you would need at least a little bit of it if they were to make a deep playoff run with Tyrod Taylor but we have more Tyrod Taylor thoughts because we have another first time caller here this is Daniel from San Diego, longtime Charger fan and longtime listener of the show, but first time caller. Let's hear what Daniel and his great name has to say for us this week. Hey, what's up? This is Daniel from San Diego, uh, holdover fan from all the way back in mid 80s. Anyway, just calling in. First time caller, longtime daily listener. Love you guys' show. Uh, I wanted to say that this is by far the best offseason I have witness from Tom Telesco. I am absolutely loving it. I think the uh, defensive tackle, Joseph, is going to be a unsung hero, one that we probably won't see a lot of stats on, but that is really going to open up things for uh, the linebacker crew. I also am really, really pumped on the addition of Chris Harris Jr. That guy is a dog, and I think that him and Keenan Allen are going to pump off each other and really get better and better and better. Um, my one question is uh, related to quarterback. Do you think that we can embrace Tyrod Taylor as the quarterback of the next two to three years if they do decide to move forward with him? I think that the stats with the Browns are not really accurate. Sorry, long message. Um, And, yeah, love your show. Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. So 
I would agree that Linval Joseph is definitely the unsung hero of the signings because that has been such a lacking position. And I think even if he was to totally regress as a pass rusher and really only stop the run, he is still going to do that better than anyone that you've had maybe since Jamal Williams at that position. So overall, I think that that's true, even if he doesn't put up the stats that you talked about. And Chris Harris, like we talked about, I mean, the guy's nickname is Strap Harris. That's a dog. That's a guy that you want on your team to not only give you that physical edge on the field, but also to give you that mental edge on the field. And you probably lost your biggest trash talker in Phillip Rivers. So now you have another trash talker to come in on the other side and play that role. But getting to the main point of if this team were to embrace Tyrod Taylor, one thing I would say is I think that's what you're kind of seeing right now. And I think what it has led to is a more complete roster because once the team pivoted after they missed out on Tom Brady, what did they do? They went and signed three of the better deals that I've seen so far in free agency as far as what they're getting for the price they're getting it for. None of the big veterans that they signed make more than $10 million a season. The team has an option to really get rid of those contracts if they need to, if those guys don't perform, and they get three starters off the bat that are going to come in and instantly be better than the players that they are replacing. So I know we're talking about Tyrod Taylor, but one of the keys to success for Tyrod Taylor is if you're going to roll out Tyrod Taylor as your starter, John, you better have a very complete roster because in my opinion, the only way this team gets to the Super Bowl with Tyrod Taylor is in spite of Tyrod Taylor, not because of Tyrod Taylor. I mean, obviously you're going to have to perform with Tyrod Taylor and he's going to help you stay in ball games. If he's not going to win you ball games, he's going to keep you in the game. So if the Chargers were to embrace Tyrod Taylor, John, it really goes around a couple of things. I mean, you have to really load the offensive weapons and get the ball in their hands any way possible and out of Tyrod Taylor's hands. And you also have to have a dominant defense that you know is going to keep you in every game because we just don't necessarily think of Tyrod Taylor as a guy that's going to go up there and light up the scoreboard. Well, you don't need a bunch of weapons. You really just need the offensive line to be completely built, have a great running game, which means we need to have a power back in this at some point. Even if it's just an undrafted free agent that joins Eckler and Jackson, you got to have some power in there somewhere. And you just got to be able to use that running game to control the clock. If you could do that, if you have a eight, nine play drive, even if it only gets you a field goal, you're probably taking about four to five minutes off the clock. And that's less time that each the other team gets the ball. And that lets your defense rest because it's going to be all in the defense. It's going to be kind of like what the Broncos were when they won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they had Peyton Manning, but Peyton Or the was 2000 hurt. Ravens, too, I think you could throw in there. Oh, yeah, with Trent Dilfer, that's a good one, too. But, I mean, I don't know how many people on here remember that. So, I'm going with God. more recent. We're getting old. But, yeah, we are. <laughs> but the Broncos, they had, they had Peyton Manning, but he was hurt all year. And then they had to bring in Osweiler. And he wasn't doing that. And then a benched lot. him. <laughs> yeah, they benched him against the Chargers. But even when they had him in, he was winning mm. games. But not because he was winning. It was because the defense was setting him up. They would get a fumble, and he all he had to do was complete a five-yard pass, and they're all they're in field goal range, and they're getting points on the board, and no other team could score against that defense. Mm. It's all they had to do. Peyton Manning in the Super Bowl kept running the ball like almost the whole Super Bowl, and could barely move the ball. But what he kept doing was he kept the ball out of Cam Newton's hands and he allowed the defense to rest, and that defense took over the game. It's going to be the same thing for the Chargers. This defense is going to win you the games. They're going to put you in position, especially with Chris Harris now. Now you have him and Casey Hayward to both be the guys 
that can get you turnovers, not just one guy in Casey Hayward that the team can just avoid. If you have one guy, you just avoid him. You go to the other side of the field. Now you have another guy. This is going to up your turnovers. You get turnovers, Tyrod, just run, hand the ball off, complete a five-yard pass, get easy points. You can go to the Super Bowl, but I highly doubt they're going to the Super Bowl, and I highly doubt they're going to embrace him. And if they're going to embrace him, you're going to have to see an extension or something, too. you got to show, like, hey, we believe in you. You're our guy, not, hey, you have one year in your contract. Let's just use you and figure it out next year. And as much as the Chargers have been avid in saying that they are rolling with Tyrod Taylor this season, there is no talks about him after this season. So I think everyone kind of knows this is what it is at this point. But the best case scenario, the best case scenario for Tyrod Taylor is to have a really good season this year. I mean, even if he has to ride the back of a dominant defense, because look what that got Brock Osweiler paid. Right, because even with everything we just talked about, it he still got a sixty-plus million-dollar deal with the Texans after that, and supposedly the Broncos were willing to give him almost just as much as that, and they were still sold on him even after they benched him. So I think obviously it can be done, but I think really who this puts the onus on the most is Shane Steichen because last year Shane Steichen took over halfway through the season. We gave him the benefit of the doubt, even though the offense was much better. We still said, hey, he took over. He didn't have a chance to fully instill his game plan. He's basically running somebody else's offense. This is your chance, Shane Steichen. This is your chance to build an offense around Tyrod Taylor, embrace Tyrod Taylor. And I think that's really, when you're talking about embracing him, I think it has to come from a play-calling perspective because it has to be such a different offense than the one you ran with Phillip Rivers because the, the things that they do well are incredibly different. So if you're talking about embracing Tyrod Taylor that's what you have to do Shane Steichen has his work cut out for him especially in a time where he's not going to have a lot of his guys before the season starts with the way everything is going right now he has to basically create an entirely different offense based around Tyrod Taylor's mobility and the way that they can make this team not be as reliant on the quarterback because hey guess what the Chargers tried to run the ball before when it was with Phillip Rivers and the game almost always turned into, okay, we tried that. Let's put it in Phillip Rivers' hands and hope he can go win us this game. And you're just not going to be able to do that with Tyrod Taylor. But that is going to wrap things up for the week. Thanks to everyone who listened. Thanks to everyone who called in. If you guys want to call in next time, make sure you call the number 323-524-7924 and leave us a voicemail because every Chargers voicemail gets played on the show. But if you don't already, make sure to go follow us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC and to like the Facebook page Locked On Chargers as well as subscribing to us wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. But we will be back with you guys next week with a whole new slate of things to talk about. But until then, take it easy and go Bolts.